here's the truth. People don't just rise from the dead. It's not normal. All right, how many of you have ever seen somebody rise from the dead? Now, kids, you know, you may be blessed and you haven't experienced the tragedy of death yet, but maybe you've seen a pet die or something like that. When people die, they die. That's the end. It's over, at least down here. It's over. It's not normal for people to rise from the dead. And yet, a couple of weeks ago, we saw uh, when we were looking at Mary and Martha that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Here's a guy that was sick. And they sent for Jesus and they said, hey, come, your, your friend Lazarus is sick. You need to come heal him. They knew that Jesus could heal. Jesus had been doing some crazy, amazing healings. And Jesus said, no, we're going to stay here for two more days. Uh, well, in, during that time, Lazarus had been so sick that Lazarus just died. Well, Jesus knew this was going to happen. He already told his disciples. He said, hey, what's going to happen here is this is going to be to the glory of God, right? God's going to get glory out of this. You know, sometimes you and I don't realize that bad circumstances happen in our lives because God's got a purpose for them. Amen? You know what? Some bad stuff just happened this year, didn't it? I mean, last year at this time, we were all sheltering inside. And some of us were shivering with fear. We were told that if we left our houses and it wasn't essential, we could get a $1,200 fine and go to jail for six months. When has that ever happened? I'm going to be honest with you. That beat me down. It was tough. Last year, our Easter service was filmed. It was the only thing that we filmed ahead of time because I wanted all of the band and uh, all of the, the support people to be able to be at home on Easter Sunday with their families and not up here because everybody else would be at home on Easter Sunday. It was a strange Easter last year, wasn't it? It really was weird. We didn't get to have our, have our Easter egg hunt kids. We always have it out there on the square. This year, the reason we had it at the library, which by the way, that worked out pretty cool, didn't it? That was not my idea. <laughs> I found out there was a church going to be out there, and I said, hey, we'll join in with you, and you all can hunt eggs with us. And they said, well, we're having our service at 1030. I was like, eh, that's not going to work. So I was just going to have us just put them all out there on the grass, and then y'all would just, like, run all over them and pick them up. But the whole library idea, great idea. Thanks, Craig, Kristen, Monica. Appreciate that idea. So wonderful that we got to do that this year, but last year we didn't. But, you know, it wasn't just one Sunday. It's been a whole year of beatdown, hasn't it? And I can tell you that I fasted for 23 days at the beginning of that because I was praying and fasting for you guys. But when I was done fasting, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep working out and whatever. But I just kind of started stepping outside of my diet and not being completely healthy. And I'll put on some weight, which is why we just had our fat loss competition. And uh, I'll announce the winner uh, at the end here. In fact, I still need to weigh one person uh, who went to the gym this morning instead of going to the early service, but no names have been mentioned. <laughs> this is the guy that was trying to get me to eat and drink more yesterday so that I would lose. No names will be mentioned, but you spell his name Nicholas. He works at Intrinsic. Maybe you'll be blessed if you go over there for him to wait on you. 
But nonetheless, it's been a year of beatdown. And you know, the, the difficulty is when you've been down so long, it's hard to look up. Right? You kind of get in the habit of this. Wait, oh, you know, and you kind of flinch and you're like, oh, what's the next bad news that's going to. And it's kind of still happening. Um, Texas is amazingly blessed. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what your position is on the vaccine and so forth, but it is a contributing factor to our infections being lower, regardless of what your particular position is on it. We're we're on the decline, but there are other states that are not. You need to pray for Brazil. Brazil is having some serious issues with this thing right now. Right. Um, but what I'm appreciative of is that many of you have come to realize that we need to have faith in our healer, right? Yes. Yahweh Rapha. I know you've heard of Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah's not Jesus' name. Jehovah's not God's name. I'm sorry. I've gotten into that before. Yahweh is his name. Rapha means healer. God is our healer. Amen? Amen. Say God is our healer. So we've had about a dozen people now in our church that have come down with COVID and they've all come out on the other side and they're well now, amen? So um, that's good news. So we're here on Easter Sunday and you know, I, you're encouraged, I can see it and you're feeling the good news. But when you've been down, chronically down, because there's just been so much bad news over such a long period of time, it's hard to have hope. It's hard to believe. It's hard to push yourself over to the 10 side of that scale, right? So that's where we find the disciples, then they're called the apostles. Apostle just means somebody that's an ambassador, somebody that's sent. That's where we find them after Good Friday. Jesus is crucified, and in spite of the fact that he told them repeatedly that this was going to happen, they just couldn't believe it. How in the world can a man who can raise the dead die? Well, as we know, because we're on the other side of Easter, you can't keep that man down. Because that man was not just a man, was he? What else was Jesus other than a man? Amen. He was God. He is God. He took on all, uh, all that it means to be a human being, but he retained all that it is and all that it means to be God. But as the scripture says, he didn't count uh, equality with God as a thing to be grasped or held on to, but he emptied himself for us. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried, and on the third day he rose. Forty days later, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, where he sits now, waiting for all of his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet, and he will return. Amen? Amen? That's good news. And it doesn't matter what's going on out in the world, that stays true. Amen? Amen. Infections go up, infections go down, hospitalizations go up, go down, financial problems, this, that, the other thing. What I just told you is true, and it stays true. It doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue to hang on to that good news. But I want you to put yourself in the position of the last witness that uh, we're covering in this time frame. We've talked about Peter. We talked about John. We talked about Nicodemus. We talked about Martha and Mary. Uh, this morning, Pastor Craig did a masterful job talking about Mary Magdalene. And now I want to talk about Thomas. Uh, you saw our friend Felix present a monologue, giving us an idea of where Thomas was. What is Thomas usually called? Blank Thomas. What's he usually called? Doubting. Doubting Thomas. But you know what we find? He wasn't the only one that doubted. In fact, Craig pointed it out this morning when Mary Magdalene came back from the tomb after having been visited by an angel. 
This is Mary Magdalene that had been with these, uh, these men and some other women, and they'd been going around with one another for three, three and a half years. She comes back to him and she says, I've seen an angel. He says that Jesus has risen. He's no longer in the grave. And it says that they thought that she was telling them an idle tale. How disrespectful. But you see, we need to put ourselves in their position. They didn't see the angel, right? They hadn't seen the empty tomb yet. They were just hearing a report from a witness and they were all skeptical. So we have been burdened with, with a, a chronic bad situation for over a year, but they had been hit with a catastrophic bad situation that had just happened to them. Many of you in this room have lost someone. I mean, you've had someone in your life die and you know how that hits you and you know how that can depress you and how that can hurt you and how it's incredibly difficult for you to feel positive after you've experienced something like that. And that's where these folks all were. They were all doubters. In fact, I wanna show you some things about Thomas really quickly so that you'll see that he wasn't necessarily a natural doubter, okay? so. In the story that I, I mentioned uh, earlier about Lazarus getting sick, um, I, I want you to hear what, uh, what Thomas had to say. Um, Jesus said that Lazarus had fallen asleep and they thought he meant literal sleep, like, you know, cuts on some Z's. Like when you get sick, you get tired, right? Yeah. I mean, I've talked to different people that have had COVID and they're like, man, I just was tired a lot. Okay, so that's normal. So the disciples just assumed that because Lazarus was sick, he was just sleeping, he's sleeping it off, he'll get better. That's what they told Jesus, right? The disciples said, this is verse 12 of um, John chapter 11. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really come to believe. Let's go see him. Now, Jesus had just been threatened with execution, right? They were gonna stone him to death in Jerusalem. And now he's gonna march right back into the environs of Jerusalem, which is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived, right? And uh, Thomas says this. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Thomas Didymus. So we call him doubting Thomas. His actual name was Thomas Didymus, Thomas the twin. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Are you ready for that? Thomas wasn't scared. He was ready to go die with Jesus. Peter was ready to die with Jesus. But see, they thought he was going to conquer the Roman Empire. They didn't understand that he was going to conquer an enemy far worse than they considered the Roman Empire to be. Jesus was gonna conquer death. Nobody thought that that could happen. But nonetheless, that's what Jesus did. So Thomas was ready to march in to the jaw of the lion with Jesus. So Thomas is no coward. He's pretty brave. Now let's move ahead. Let's, let's, uh, let's see Thomas amidst the rest of the disciples. All of the disciples misunderstood what Jesus was saying many times because Jesus was trying to tell them about the heavenly realm and they were very this worldly. In fact, if you remember when we talked about Peter or if you've ever studied uh, or heard this message about Peter, Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. But when Jesus said, uh, I'm gonna go and die on the cross, 
right? I'm going to be handed over to the Roman officials or I'm going to be handed over to the Jewish officials and they're, they're going to condemn me to the cross. Then Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Are you ready for that, sass? Peter took him aside and rebuked him and said, Lord, this will never happen to you. Peter was probably thinking, I'm not going to let it happen. I'm your bro. I got you, Jesus. I got your back. This is never going to happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me. Wow. That's some serious talk. Because Jesus recognized that it was Satan who was inspiring this. And then Jesus goes on. He's not saying that Peter is possessed, right? He goes on to say why he calls Peter Satan. And this is what he says. He says, you have your mind on earthly concerns, not heavenly ones. That's 9.9 .9 out of 10 of us in this room. We're constantly thinking about what's going on right down here. What am I gonna do in five minutes? What am I gonna do for lunch? What am I gonna do with these kids? I know, right? <laughs> there are a lot of distractions down here, a lot of reasons. The disciples were constantly thick-headed and they could not see that there was a heavenly purpose and a heavenly message that was being communicated to them, right? Here's an example. This is John 14, a couple chapters later. Don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. And they probably all went, huh? In fact, we know that. Listen to what Thomas said. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? There's a famous verse that Jesus replied with. Do you know what it was? It's John 14, 6. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know the way. How are we going to get there? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. What he's saying is, I am the way, and I'm going to make a way for you to get into heaven. I'm going to make a way for you to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, he's going to throw open the doors of the kingdom of heaven so that anybody who believes will be able to enter. So here we have another example of Thomas. But what we usually associate with Thomas is what happened after the resurrection. So Jesus rose from the dead. Mary comes back and tells the disciples and they think it's an idle tale. However, Peter and John are going to go check it out anyway. So Peter and John go running to the tomb. John outruns Peter, probably younger, probably more athletic. Outruns Peter, gets to the tomb, sees that the, the stone is rolled away and stops. We don't know what he thought but he was stopped in his tracks right there. Peter, typical Peter, pushes right on through and goes right on into the tomb. And he doesn't believe, but he does see that there's no body in there. The wrapping that they uh, had, had begun the embalming of Jesus with was there. The face cloth was there, but there was no body. There was no Jesus. And he steps out and it says he was astonished, but it doesn't say he believed. John stepped inside now and looked 
And then he reports that he saw the face cloth actually laying to the side and folded up. That's a deliberate thing. That's an awesome detail. Jesus rises and then just takes it off and folds it up and says, see him. I'm out of here. Got a new resurrected body. The scripture says that at that point, John believed. John was the first one to believe and he believed without seeing. We don't have any indication that Peter saw yet. Now, Mary was the first one to see Jesus risen, but she didn't believe yet either. We know that from the same chapter that Pastor Craig read this morning. She's weeping at the door of the tomb, at the, uh, the entrance to the tomb, because she thinks that someone has stolen Jesus' body. This after Peter and John have visited the tomb and John has believed. Mary still doesn't believe. There are angels inside there. There are angels that talk to her and she still doesn't believe. It's doubting Mary Magdalene. But as I said earlier, people don't just rise from the dead. In fact, the only one that they had ever seen raise anybody from the dead, they saw die in a brutal, horrific way. But then Jesus comes to Mary and he speaks to her. She recognizes his name. And she embraces him and she has faith. We have uh, evidence in the scripture. In fact, it's in the earliest, conf earliest confession of faith found in 1st. Corinthians 15, three through five, where the apostle Paul says, I what I received from the Lord, I delivered to you as of first importance, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose on the third day in, the, in, in, in accordance with the scriptures. And then he says, and then he appeared to Peter. So we don't have this indicated in the gospels, but Jesus made a personal appearance to Peter. And then Peter believed. Later, Jesus appears in the room with the disciples. They are by themselves. It is Easter evening now. And um, they're locked in because although some of them have come to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, they're still afraid of the same leaders who had arrested Jesus and had him crucified. And they still don't understand what Jesus' plan is. All right. Listen to what happens. This is verse 19 of John chapter 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is awesome. This is awesome. Hey, this is why you don't want to miss church. As you're going to see, Thomas wasn't here. Listen to what Thomas missed out on. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. And his response was the same as the disciples' response was to Mary originally. They didn't buy it. He doesn't buy it. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. This is a man that is now a hardcore skeptic. 
And I will tell you, it's because he has been impacted catastrophically by Jesus' arrest and death. He believed in Jesus, but he didn't understand. You see, his biggest problem is not disbelief. His biggest problem is completely misunderstanding who Jesus came to be. Now, the question is, will he be able to be brought back around? Well, you already know, if you paid attention to Felix's monologue, that he will be brought back around. But you see, he had to respond and come the next week to church when they gathered. We can have such catastrophic things happen to us. We can be beaten down so chronically that we just won't gather with the people of God anymore. I know people that have quit going to church because of the bad things that have happened to them. I know people that have, that have come to doubt God or be angry with God or even completely disbelieve in God because of the terrible things that have happened to them. Listen, I understand the emotion, but what you and I need to realize is that faith is not an emotion. Repeat what I just said. Faith is confidence in God's promise. Yeah, you can say that too. If you want. So he's like, hey, if the pastor's going to say it, let's just say it. Eight days later, right? So the following Sunday night, the disciples were gathered again, and this time Thomas was with them. So he was a skeptic. He was doubting. But that didn't cause him to not want to investigate. Okay, let me say something I've said to people for years. I used to say this to teenagers all the time. God's not afraid of your doubt. The question is, are you, is your doubt something that causes you to want to investigate the truth or is your doubt just an excuse to push God away? Oh, I don't believe. I don't believe. Well, let me offer you some evidence. No, 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 no. There's no evidence. You can't tell me. <laughs> then what you have is an emotional, visceral dislike for God. This doesn't have anything to do with evidence. It doesn't have anything to do with the, the fact that you can't believe. It's that you won't believe. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. All of us have doubts at times, and especially when we've gone through chronic difficulty. Now, your situation concerning the coronavirus, the pandemic, may be different than mine. You may have experienced the death of someone because of this, and it causes you to be even more cautious. You may be somebody who didn't worry about it from the beginning and hasn't experienced anyone dying from it. So it's easier for you to be uh, more courageous, if you will. But the reality is our faith is based upon God's promise and Jesus as our healer, not on what our eyes see. So Thomas, in spite of the fact that his natural tendency was not to believe, and I asked you to rate yourself on that scale earlier, right? This would be somebody that's over toward the one side. You just, you naturally are doubtful. You're naturally more of a skeptic. Can I be honest with you? I'm pretty much naturally more of a skeptic. When people relate religious experiences to me, I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. I saw an angel. Okay, I'm sure you did. And you just kind of keep that to yourself. If the angel appears to me, then I'm going to pay attention. Does that mean I don't believe in angels? No, doesn't mean that at all. But it means that I don't put myself under someone else's religious experience because there's too many kooks out there. 
However, I do believe the Word of God, and the Word of God is what inspires faith. Don't let someone else's religious experience be the inspiration for your faith. Because people have seen and believe all sorts of weird things. People are just different in all sorts of weird ways, right? So I don't, you know, there's, oh, here's a movie that's out, and it says that this little boy went to heaven, and then later the little boy said, yeah, I kind of made all that up. Oh, and all these Christians are like, oh, well, I'm dumb. Right? There are Christians that believe very strongly in the Shroud of Turin and Christians that don't believe in the Shroud of Turin. Don't let the Shroud of Turin be the basis for your faith. Amen? Amen. Whether you believe that it is legitimate or not, it can't be the basis for your faith. God's word is the basis for your faith. Amen? Amen. So, my natural tendency is Shroud of Turin. <laughs> Fake. No. You're not buying it. The little boy that went to heaven, eh, no, no. The word of God inspires my faith. And then I say, yes. I want to investigate. I want to go check it out. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want the real thing. Do you want the real thing? Amen? Amen. All right. So eight days later, they're all gathered together. And this time Thomas is with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. You know what? That's your word for the morning. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, it is unlikely that you or I are going to get a physical, as in resurrected body, visitation from Jesus. But you can believe and you can be one of the people that Jesus spoke about here. The disciple, uh, hang on just a second. My Lord, uh, so Thomas's response, this is very powerful. Jesus said, don't be faithless any longer, believe. Thomas's response, my Lord and my God, the greatest confession in the scripture. Nobody else called Jesus God, not on this side of the ascension. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Now you would assume that Jesus would say, bless you, my son. What did he say to Peter? I mean, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was excited about it. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father was in heaven. So you would assume when Thomas says, my Lord and my God, Jesus would say, that's the greatest confession anyone has ever made. Bless you, my son. But that's not what he said. He said, you believe because you see? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Hey, that's you. You're more blessed than Thomas who saw the risen Christ in the room. You're more blessed than those disciples who hung out with Jesus and then saw his resurrection. You're more blessed because Jesus said you're more blessed because you have chosen to believe. Amen. That's very powerful. Because see, in the end, Mary Magdalene wanted to hang on to Jesus. She wanted to hold on to that physical presence. And Jesus said, no, don't cling to me. I haven't ascended to my, to my father yet. But go tell the disciples, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. Now, 
He wasn't saying, don't touch me, don't touch me, I'm untouchable. He's saying, don't cling to me, don't hang on to me, don't try to pull me down, don't try to hang on to me in this, uh, this state because Jesus was going to ascend and send someone that can inhabit each of us, and that's the Holy Spirit. So Easter is wonderful, but do you know what happens 49 days from today? 50 days from, from Passover. Pentecost. Do you know what happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit descended upon all of those believers and filled them to overflowing. And these men and women who were afraid, locking themselves inside the door, were suddenly standing out in the open, preaching the gospel, and all of the apostles, except John, were martyred. They died for their faith because they were emboldened by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to do this alone. Jesus already insinuated that when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's not just about believing up here. It's about receiving in your heart. So I want you to see that the Lord Jesus would bless you today if you would choose to exercise faith. In fact, that's the only thing that saves us, saves us from a fallen world, saves us from a world that is uh, going crazier and crazier. Wouldn't you agree with me that our world is going crazier and crazier? I mean, wow. But what saves us from this world and where it's headed is the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal life. And the scripture says this very simply, several times in fact, but Romans 10, 13, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's you this morning. A couple verses before that, it says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. I want everyone in this room, I want everyone in the hearing of my voice, I want everyone that is watching on uh, online, either now or later, I want you to have that same hope of eternal life by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can be saved. So let me ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. I'm gonna do something that I haven't done often in recent days. I'm going to pray a prayer. And this is a prayer of faith. If you would receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. You can say it under your breath or you can say it out loud. But I want you to mean what you say and put your faith behind it. And I'm going to ask the other people in this room, those of you that are believers who have prayed this prayer or one like it before, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me as well. That will support the people that may be coming to the Lord for the first time. So put your faith behind these words and say them. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross. You died for me because I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior. I open my heart. I ask you to come inside. Be my savior. Be my God. You are the resurrected Christ and my hope of eternal life. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that with me, I, I want to know about it. And uh, you can 
Actually, normally it's this podium right here that's in the back of the room with some cards on it. But there is an offering box uh, on your way out on the right side that you can give an offering in as you leave later if you would like to. And uh, uh, Pastor Craig, I'm going to ask if you'll take those, uh, those feedback cards and put them on that offering box. Or you can go to our website, lifefulchurch.com, and you can click the feedback tab and you can fill it out and you can say, hey, Pastor, I prayed with you today. I prayed that prayer. And you can ask for prayer requests. You can do a lot of other things there. In fact, our website has a lot of resources for you. If you need to pray with somebody about anything, we'd be happy to pray with you. Um, if you would like to pray to rededicate your life or give your life to Jesus, then we would love to talk to you. And then we will leave uh, our Easter Sunday and let you go and do whatever it is you're going to do. Hopefully you'll go out and eat.